You're about to enter the most electrifying NFL talk show you have ever experienced. From up-to-the-minute news and notes to... Uh, who am I kidding? It's a wrap. Let's try this again. It's the After Further Review Podcast with Connor Forrest. Want to get involved? Send us an email to mailbag at connorforrest.com. For your questions to be read on air. Johnny, I know we've talked about this a bunch on the podcast already, but it is, I feel like it's the pandemic that has been going on for far too long. And I feel like it's just endlessly getting worse. And it's customer service. I I got to tell you, man, I'm, I don't, I just, I can't make it make sense for me. How many times I've gone into a Chipotle or I've gone into a grocery store or I've gone to a gas station. And the employees just hate my guts. Mm-hmm. They just they don't want to be helpful. You get you calling Verizon, you're calling uh, the internet company, you're you're calling the gas company, you're, whatever it is. And whoever works there hates you. Mm-hmm. They just don't want to help you. Um, make that make sense. Can you make that make sense for me? What what is going I, on? I, I actually had the same thing happen to me today at Starbucks. Mm. Uh, my my power went out at my apartment. They were doing maintenance work. And so I left from two to four to go mm. work and do do my uh, do my job. And at Starbucks, it was just like I inconvenienced the employees. It was empty. Yeah. And I was the only one in there, except for one other lady. But she had already ordered and had all her food and drinks and everything. Yeah. And yeah, they, it was just like I was being inconvenient to them. I'm like, no, you serve me, I, and I, I'm not. I'm I'm like you. Like you right. and I. Have you ever like gotten mad at a waitress? No, no, honestly, I, I can't I can't tell you it. I've been upset, but I've never expressed it mm-hmm. because I know where they're coming from. Like, I I do think that there are probably some nefarious waiters and waitresses out there, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's the case for the most part. I think most of the time there are people paying bills, doing a job. Or like, or like when a flight's delayed, the people who get mad at the counter people. Right, it makes like, no sense. Like, he doesn't control the weather. I'm sorry. <laughs> like the counter person is relaying the information. You can shoot the messenger all you want, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't it, – that's not going to change. You screaming at some part-time employee or some hourly employee that is just telling you the information, like I, I don't know what to tell you, right? Right. Um, but that doesn't give them a reason, like you were saying, to not regard your opinion. Well – I'm not even asking for an opinion. Like I'm asking for when I go to Chipotle mm-hmm. and I ask you for rice and then extra chicken or whatever that might be. I don't need you sighing. Like I was there in Chipotle today and it was, uh, hey, let me do extra rice, no beans. And you'd have thought I told her, hey, uh, drop down and give me 10. It's like <laughs> and she just was like, fine. And I'm like, What? What am I? I like kind of looking around, like, am I missing something? Like, what's going on here? But I do think that it is just, I, I don't know, man. I, I can't, I can't make sense of it. I've worked in customer service roles before, like, Jersey Mike's was my first job mm-hmm. of all time. It was the first job I ever did. 
I loved every second of it. It was fun. It was difficult dealing with customers, but you know, that's what it is. Um, I can't imagine working a customer service role and just hating it or hating Mm -hmm. customers or looking at them as, oh my gosh, they're going to ask me to do something that I'm supposed to be doing. Well, I think a lot of it, have you ever had to help uh, maybe your parents or grandparents with uh, internet stuff or phone stuff? Yes. I think a lot of it is you know what you're supposed to do and you think it's the easiest thing in the world. Mm. Like for me, I've had to help my grandparents take pictures on their phone before. For me, if I want to take a picture, I could get it done in two seconds, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I know how to do it. So it's frustrating on my end when they don't know how to do it because I am I just sit there and I say it's such a simple concept. You open yeah. the camera and you take a picture. Just do it. But, right. you know, at the same time, you don't get mad at them because, you know, it's a generational learning gap. It's a generational learning gap, but you also have to meet people where they are, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you understand that. But I, I have found it very interesting how many times I've gone to gas stations. I've gone to uh, hotels. I've been places where it's like, look – you don't have to be doing this job. Like, I know we have this thing in our, like, I have to work this because I have to pay bills. It's like, there's more than one job out there. And if, if customer service is not your thing, you know, Amazon, drop packages, don't talk to people, scan packages, go, do your thing. Mm-hmm. If that's, like, there's plenty of jobs out there that are not people facing, plenty of great paying jobs out there that you don't talk to people. You just mm-hmm. do your thing. I'm always fascinated by that. And it just drives me insane because I'm like, I'm sitting there going like, I am just trying to give you my money. Like all I'm trying to do is take money from my bank account and give it to you. Hopefully it goes towards your salary. It'll go towards improving this place, whatever, wherever it might go. I'm giving you money. Please allow me to give it to you and do so and not be a jerk. Yeah. Is that hard to ask? Apparently I think it is. (laughs) It's pretty wild, Sean. I know we've talked about that nausea, but I just, I remember just leaving today going like, I, I want like what does the interview process for those people look like for a manager? Uh, you know, show up for your job interview and the manager just goes, "Hey, listen, um, do you hate customers? Like, do you hate customers? Do you uh, do you want them miserable? Do you want them dead? Because if you do, you got the you're job. hired. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Is that what the interview process yep. looks like? Because if that's the case, then I think they're they're hiring pretty well. But I doubt that is the case. But um, I'm always amazed by that, Shawnee. I'm always amazed I by know. that. Welcome back in, everybody. After further review returns, Shawnee is with me here in our humble abode in Ashburn, Virginia. Uh, we are back at it again. We were hoping to do two episodes last week, but what happened last week, Sean? Something popped up last week. I was at a fundraiser, and then I was at a Capitals game. Mm-hmm. Um, rest in peace to my Capitals 2022 season. Just, you know. Listen, we won the Stanley Cup in 18. It's just it's just been nothing but first-round exits. Um, I, I can't <laughs> complain. We Look. Nine straight years of postseason appearances, you know, all he asked for is to get in the dance. But it is just, it's tough. I feel like every game I've been to with the Caps has been an overtime loss. I mean, I'm constantly at it. We went to one. Dude. Carolina game seven. I've been to about four or five overtime losses. I mean, I've been to probably 12 or 15 Caps games. Mm -hmm. Might, Might be more than that. And I've been to like four overtime losses. And I've been to three. Was it three or two? That was. I guess that was my second series-ending playoff exit overtime loss. Yeah, because we went to one. So we did. We did. We did. We did. We yeah, that Carolina was funny. Yep. It was last um, minute. It was funny, and funny as in just curling up in a ball and crying while you. And then the funny. Bruins swept the Hurricanes in the Eastern Conference Finals. Did then, but they didn't win the cup, right? We did not. We lost Game Seven at home <laughs> against St. Louis. Comple- I mean, just oh, an awful hockey man. game. Who do you have winning the cup? The you know, man, I got to tell you, and I, I think it's probably going to come from the West. 
I, I, I have to say if my heart was like the, I want to say the avalanche, but I'm sorry. Do Tampa Bay look, look like they're just, I feel like there's eventually the clock has to run out on Tampa, right? Mm. I mean, they have had a grip on the NHL for quite some time now, and I'm not quite sure when that's going to loosen up. Um, but every time I want to say that Tampa's given it up, uh, they just don't. Okay. If I was a betting man, I'd see the Avalanche. My heart's telling me Tampa. Okay. Where are you at? I picked them at the beginning of the playoffs. I actually have Calgary. Very. If really? you have not watched Calgary in a game, watch them. Yeah. Very fun. Yeah, they, they are fun. They destroyed the Oilers uh, nine to six yesterday on nine Wednesday. Nine to six. To yeah. Six. I think they. The Oilers kind of came back in the second period, but then uh, can you imagine yeah. scoring nine goals? Nine Just goals. Like, to take your and now you, you give up six, but at that point, who cares? Like, you scored nine goals. Literally, just don't play. Very fun team to watch. Very, oh, very yeah. fun. They Highly recommend great, it. They got a great goal goal horn, too. If you ever heard Calgary's goal horn, I have not. No, oh, it's great. It's fantastic. Um, <laughs> it's fantastic. But plenty of things to get into around the National Football League. I know we talked about this a little bit um, before we parted ways on our last episode, um, but we got a little bit of a rundown to get to. Um, so the story we teased a little bit last time was Carson Wentz and the Colts. Um, a very strange relationship, it seems like. Uh, after Carson Wentz departs the Colts after a year where clearly a lot of disappointment. But Chris Ballard just can't keep Carson Wentz out of his mouth. And it, it makes you wonder if there's there's some things going on there that might make you feel a little bit better um, if you're a Commanders fan for Carson Wentz. Um, I have a question for you, Shawnee. It, it's about the schedule. Did the Patriots get screwed with the schedule? Um, and then I want to touch up on Trey Lance because there's been a lot of smoke regarding Trey Lance and his struggles and, and, and people wondering if he's – even capable of doing it or if this is a total bus pick um and i wonder if there's any fire to it so i want to talk about that a little bit um but we do want to get to the schedule release uh, we, we talked about it a little bit uh, last week um we both have a favorite game of the nfl season that we we're do gonna get to um so we got all of that uh and more coming up as always after further review is brought to you by anchor fm anchor fm's easiest way to make a podcast download the free anchor fm app and let them know that Connor from After Further Review sent you. Um, Shawnee, did you have something to bring up before we got to the schedule? Our I did, there. and it's Tom Brady gets a monster 10-year, $375 million deal with <laughs> Fox Sports to be the Amazing. lead color commentator when, if, I don't know if it's a win or an if situation, he retires. Yeah. It might be an if situation. Yeah. Um. So Brady uh, is going to be heading to Fox Sports alongside, I think, Kevin Burkhart, who's going to be the new number one. Yep. at Fox Sports um, since Joe Buck left with Troy Aikman to go over to ESPN. Uh, this is actually kind of surprising to me because I never thought Tom Brady would be doing analyst stuff. He's he's normally a pretty under-the-radar guy in the offseason. Like you, you really don't see him on too many shows or commercials. Yeah. So I was really surprised by this. But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to another decade of Tom Brady in the NFL. Yeah. Um, now, I, I do have a question for you. Give I thought about me. this. Yeah. Um, if you were a former player – Career's over. You're done. You're too beat up. Mm -hmm. Would you rather be a color commentator, studio analyst, work for a company like ESPN where you're not doing studio analysis on game day, like on mm -hmm. Fox or CBS, but you're doing it throughout the week, appearances, maybe on sure. first take, or would you just be a stay-at-home dad? Or uh, GM. I'm going to also throw GM or coach in there. Honestly, it's color commentary. Color commentary. Okay. Every day of the week, it's 10 times out of 10. I wouldn't even consider any other route. If okay. color commentary opened up, 
you get to travel, you get to be part of the game in a, in a unique way, and I think that's what makes these quarterbacks so... Look, th- th- it seems that there's an arms race for these networks to get good color guys. It started with Tony Romo. It, it, and it did. Now, now Tony Romo, I think, has lost a little bit of his, of, of his uh, shine, a mm-hmm. little bit. I think people have kind of got a little bit tired of him. Um, now, I love Tony Romo. I think he's just fun, right? <laughs> I mean, honestly, and I think people love to hate, and, and people are just constantly looking for reasons to just tear other people down. Um, I think he's a ton of fun. I think he'd be a little over-enthusiastic, and, you know, I always have a peeve. Me and you are both this way with color commentators stepping all over play-by-play guys. It's like, <laughs> come on, let the dudes do their job. I can't stand listening to broadcasts where the color commentator's like, hey, listen, it's all about me. I'm going to make this about myself. Um, it was a great partnership, and that's what made Buck and Aikman and Collinsworth and Michaels, those pairs, those iconic pairs that just work so well together. It's such a great tandem. Mm-hmm. They pick up where each other. It's a flow. I mean, it's it's a game flow thing. Um, I think the interesting thing about Tom Brady that I do love is that I feel like since he left uh, New England, he has really and truly embrace kind of who he is right because I, I think in a lot of ways he was a star in new england but there's just this cloud of seriousness in new england that has always existed mm-hmm. i mean as long as i've been around I, i've just there are no mess around everybody straight face everybody do their job shut your mouth um you're not really getting any hot takes out in new england uh, their front office or any of that it's, it's a very cut and dry organization and they found success doing that right um but i think after brady stepped out of that uh, he's been able to kind of embrace a little bit more of his personality. And we've seen that more since he, I mean, the second he stepped into Tampa Bay, it's him on TikTok, it's him on Facebook, it's him doing things Hertz on, on social media, commercials, things like yeah. that. Like, really, like the Subway commercial where yep. he's with, I mean, all these different things. Um, and I think Tom Brady has always had, um, I think he's always had a great personality. And I think now it's finally a, coming out. And I think. These networks, again, with these arms races, like it started with Tony Romo. You see guys like Aqib Tlaib jumping into the booth. You see these guys immediately jumping for these new players. Like Peyton Manning, what, what, the conversation, what's he going to be? Drew Brees, where is he going to fit in mm-hmm. with NBC? Um, He's actually leaving NBC. Did you I, see that? I think I saw that. He is, yeah. Apparently, they were unsatisfied. Apparently, supposedly. Who knows how, how much truth there is mm. to this. They were unsatisfied with him at NBC. Um, I, I, I don't know where that came from. I thought he was fine. I think he's better in the studio than he is on color commentary. Um, but, yeah, it's a little, little interesting. I think Fox is eyeing him now um, for potentially number one role until Brady gets there. But I think it's going to go to Greg Olson, another former uh, player. I love Greg Olson. He's, he's the best. Good. I think Drew Brees does a great job. Again, I, I, I think – I just think what these networks are probably looking for, these big, big personalities. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's um, – I think it's – those are kind of few and far between. But – I mean, Tom Brady is one of the most iconic players to ever play the <laughs> game of football. I think you can't go wrong with that. So 10 years, 375 mil is just an incredible amount mm-hmm. of money. But um, look, for them, um, I look, if you're Fox, I don't know if you have an issue tossing around this one. I think it's like, listen, reel him in. That's mm-hmm. the biggest fish that you can get. I was just surprised. I didn't know if he was going to take the media route or he was going to go more the GM route. Um, I will say, I think for Tom Brady and I think for a lot of these guys coming out of the sport, if you're a veteran and you've had – a long career in the sport, it's a lot of stress, right? A lot of pressure, a lot of stress. You're constantly dealing with that. Now, you don't want to get into a GM role or a coaching role where you're dealing with the same stress just on, on the, you know, instead of wearing pads and a helmet, you you just have a jumpsuit on and you're dealing with the same thing. Right. I think a lot of these guys, by the time they get out, they just don't want that anymore. It's mm-hmm. like, look, I've done this for 20 years, especially Tom Brady. Um, I want something more relaxed. I want to enjoy my life. I want yeah. to enjoy my time. 
So pretty darn good deal there, I think, for Fox and for Tom Brady. I mean, look, anytime I can just see Tom Brady chatting football, I love it. So <laughs> that should be a lot of fun. Um, let's get into the schedule release. Uh, a couple things with the schedule release I think we touched on last episode, but I do want to give us our, our, our favorite games. We can go back and forth a little bit on um, the games we are most excited about. Shawnee, do you have your game first? I'll let you go. Yeah, my number one is week one opener, Bills at the Rams. Uh, I, I know that oh, we've yeah. talked about the Rams uh, as not being as strong as they were last year. Obviously, they went all the way last year. Right. Uh, but still, you got to consider them to be at least an NFC championship caliber team, if not Super mm-hmm. Bowl caliber team, because the NFC is just not as good as the AFC. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, who who else? If it's the Bucks, probably the Rams. I mean, you have to mention the Packers constantly show up there. Yeah, they show up. Um, Cowboys, maybe. I can't never. I'll never believe in Dallas. I think they'll be a playoff team. They'll be a playoff team. I don't believe them any more than than that. Um, Yeah. But but the point is, this is, you know, the Rams, we kind of thought we were just going to go into this dark age. Yeah. They spent all their money. Now they're rebuilding. But they're not. I mean, they're they're still around. They're probably in the top three of the NFC teams. I mean, I I can't think of Bucks, probably number one. As the yep. favorite to come out of the NFC, I would think Bucks have to be the favorite again. Rams are right up there. Yeah, hundred percent. Packers are up there, so that's a really good one. Bills, I think, have to be the favorite out of the AFC. Yeah, you if have it's to not, imagine. if it's not the the Chiefs, who I think aren't going to be as good as they were last year without Tyreek Hill. I mm. obviously still a playoff team without a question, but I could see the Chiefs falling to maybe a wild card team. With I the think Broncos I- in that division with. The Chargers, who are only getting better, they had a really good free agency. Mm. I, I think an X factor here for the NFC is going to be that NFC West. Like, what are the Cardinals? Mm-hmm. What are they going to be? Uh, what are the 49ers going to be with Trey Lance, which yep. we'll get to a little bit, right? Those are two X factor teams that you go, their upside is, I think their upside is as good as any of these teams. Um, maybe not quite the firepower of the Buccaneers, but I, I think their upside, both of them, um, I mean, you could argue the Cardinals, if they're not yakking all over themselves in the playoffs, ha- have as, as high octane. Well, of a team as you would want, but what do those teams become? Well, let me right? ask you this, not to get too sidetracked, but sure. I was thinking about this. Do you, the, the AFC, I would think just to make the playoffs, you probably have to get at least 12 wins, maybe 11. I think last yeah. year, I think the bottom were around 10 wins. Yeah. I don't think there was a nine win team in there. Yeah. Um, I think you have to get probably 12 13 maybe 11 wins i mean denver is all of a sudden so a super bowl contender i mean you, right. you're right you go through the list of teams the so i want to yeah well you know, yeah i wanted to ask you about the nfc yeah. do you think there are going to be teams with losing records that make the playoffs on the nfc side probably not you don't think so i don't think so New, oh, i guess you can't get a neutral record i think the, the eagles are going to be better this year i think washington are going to be i honestly i think washington is a double digit team that's a sleeper pick for me i think washington wins double digit okay. now their schedule is very easy this year let's be it's really clear it's, it's remarkably easy um but with that being said the eagles are going to be better um, I think I mean look Dallas are, are I, I just never see them as a as a real genuine Super Bowl contender but they're still a fantastic team um, obviously Washington's gonna be I just named you three teams there that uh, in the NFC East alone um, mm-hmm. I think I mean it's hard to know as you start going south really what the I, I think the the Falcons are just gonna be terrible this year um, to be totally honest with you but um, Panthers I don't know. probably won't be much. The Vikings, you have to imagine the Vikings mm-hmm. are going to take a step up. I think up. they'll be a playoff team. I think they'll probably be a playoff team as well. Um, you know, like I said, the NFC West is just always 
always yeah. a question mark. So I mean, you don't think there will be losing? No, I don't team. think so. I think there's enough good teams mixed in there for, for that not to be the case. Uh, my game of the year so far, at least that I can see, is going to end up taking place week four. It's a Sunday night matchup. Um, I would just love to get down for this one, Shawnee. Uh, sleeper, in the next few weeks, we're going to try uh, getting a little bracket together for games that me and Shawnee are, are going to have to try to aim to go to this year. <laughs> we got to bring the show on the road. Um, Chiefs and Buccaneers. Week four, Sunday Night Football. This is this is really, I think, going to be one of the games of the year. Um, and I think it's really going to start answering some questions. Look, the Chiefs last year um, were you know, incredible. Um, an elite team, they struggled a lot at points last year, and then they, they caught fire and went right back to where they kind of came from. But it makes you wonder, are the Chiefs going to be the same with that Tyreek Hill? Um, do you think the Chiefs have kind of squeezed all the juice they can out of their core? Um, what are they going to look like? I mean, are they going to be as dominant of a team as they are? Are they going to pick up where they left off or not? I mean, they they really struggled at points last year, which was so shocking and just weird. I mean, there were points. We had segments on the show where, like, are the Chiefs bad? Remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Um, are they going to pick the baton off from where they left it? Um, and then the Buccaneers, like Tom Brady, come back for another ride. Like, what's this going to look like? Yeah, are, are, are they going to pick up the baton from where we left off? Um, and I think they're two totally strategically different teams which is kind of funny. Um, mm-hmm. The Chiefs are just were always built on speed. They're built on just a crazy creative offense, a run around, slinging it around. Um, and the Buccaneers are just different. They have a very, very stout defense, um, and they're much more calculated. Like Tom Brady's just a totally different quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. So what is that going to look like? I think this is going to put uh, on display what both teams, I think, um, their identities are. Um, and, you know, look, it's a week four game. Is, is it going to be an X-Factor game? No, but I think it's going to show you a lot about both these teams, who I think bring two totally different things to the table. And I think they both have the same exact upside. Like, mm-hmm. this could be a Super Bowl preview. You know? You don't know. Um, I'm going to say week four there, Chiefs and Buccaneers. Um, on the topic of the schedule, Shawnee, I had to ask you a question because we talked about this a little bit before the show. Did the Patriots get screwed a little bit? Um, the Patriots play I'm, – I'm going to fast forward all the way to week 14 and 15, I believe – is what we're looking at here. Um, let's see here. Yeah, here we go. Week 14 at Arizona, and then week 15 in Las Vegas, back-to-back. They go Monday night in Arizona to a Sunday night in Las Vegas, two straight West Coast games, which would mean, and we've seen this before, they've done this before, they'd stay out West for that week. They wouldn't come back to New England and then fly back. Mm-hmm. Um, did they get screwed here a little bit? And I think it's going to – open up the conversation more to do the NFL have a responsibility to try to avoid these kind of things or is it kind of who cares everyone goes through it let's backtrack a little bit more than that you go week 11 we're in New England regular one o'clock Sunday game Mm -hmm. then we have a Thursday night game on uh, Thanksgiving this is the Thanksgiving game up in Minnesota against the Vikings that's Thursday night then we have another Thursday night at 815 uh, or I'm sorry, why am I? Well, I'm reading the time. <laughs> I'm sorry, I meant the date on the first of December uh, for Week 13. That is, we are back at home against the Bills, and then we go to the West Coast, like you mentioned, Cardinals Raiders. Mm. I I'm I like primetime games. I think it's a little weird to have back to back to. I mean, we have four primetime games. Yeah, it's in wild. A row, four in a row. Yeah, it's wild. Um, and, and you know, you look at the early schedule. And 1 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 425, which is actually yep. 325 because it's in Green Bay. 1 o'clock, 1 o'clock. And then we start getting into some primetime games. Yep. 
Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it's too bad. Yeah. You know, it, it's, uh, I, I'm not making a big deal out of it. I, I don't think it's that bad. If it think, was the commanders, would you be a little freaked out? Um, I would be slightly more considering the fact that we just haven't done that recently. Okay. I, I mean, I guess my question to you then would be, if you don't think it's too big of a deal, which the Patriots have done this in recent years, Mm -hmm. do you think it's something that the NFL should make more of a conscious effort to avoid? Or is it a situation where, dude, you're professional, whatever, make this happen? Um, Because there's, you you know, I've never been a big fan of Thursday night football just because a lot of times you have teams going from Sunday and then they got to play on Thursday. I'm not a big fan of that. Now, I know most of the time then you have 10 days off after that because you don't play right. that that counts as your week you don't play on sunday right. it's a mini buy it's a mini buy but yeah uh in terms of this there's not a huge gap between i'm sorry there's not not too small of a gap between games it's like a relatively normal week mm-hmm. obviously you know monday to to sunday is a little bit shorter but it's two primetime games a day shorter not too yeah. bad i i you know, that, that's something I'm neutral on, whether or not the NFC, NFL should change this. I just think that's how the schedule is put out. Uh, I, yeah, I, I it's not too big of a concern for me. Look, if we all of a sudden lose all four of those games, then that's a different mm-hmm. story. I'll have complaints. but um, <laughs> I'll play revisionist history when I need to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll, I'll change my opinion. Yeah. No, but I'm, I'm not making a big deal out of yeah. it. I, I don't think it's anything the NFL should bend over backwards to try to fix. Yeah, I mean, I, I would tend to probably lean towards agreeing with you where it's like, you know, it is. It, it, it's not. It's not a Thursday night game, and then a Monday, then another Thursday. Like right. you know what I mean. It's right. not. It's not. Well, too you deal ridiculous. with that, and then and then you look at teams like the Steelers who do not leave the East Coast at mm-hmm. all. They don't leave a single time zone. They travel, I think, six thousand miles over the course of the entire season. Compared which to the Seahawks, who are the thirteen thousand, I think. Yeah. Thirty. Thirty thousand because yeah. they play in Munich. Remember. Um. So. Pretty interesting. I thought that was interesting. I had to ask you about that because that, that came across my news. I'm going to ask Shawnee about that. But that's interesting. I thought you were going to have a bigger problem with that. No, not, not too big of a yeah, deal. Yeah, it like, seems like that should be something. I mean, they've overcome it before, so um, we will see how that goes. Uh, I want to get to this topic that we teased last week that I think is something interesting. It's it's Chris Ballard um, with the Colts who clearly is just super sour on Carson Wentz, and so is Jim Irsay. Um, the entire Colts front office have really since that Jacksonville game have made it very clear that they really put a, a big majority of the blame on how the season ended on Carson Wentz. Um, this is from CBS Sports. Um, Chris Ballard suggests that Carson Wentz might have uh, been cut or traded um, even if they did make the playoffs in 2021. Um, the Colts wasted no time washing their hands of the 2021 Carson Wentz trade, dealing the quarterback to the commanders this offseason, just one year after acquiring the former Eagles standout in a swap of draft picks. Big swap, by the way. All indications are that Wentz's abrupt fall out of favor in Indianapolis stemmed from the Colts' poor regular season finish when the team failed to clinch a playoff berth despite back-to-back chances to close the year. Um, this was on Pro Football Talk with Mike Florio. Ballard said uh, when he was – he said, I don't know, when asked if Wentz would have returned in uh, with a Week 18 playoff clinching win. I think we still would have had some hard discussions, just the way we played down the stretch. And we knew we needed to make some improvements in that area. But the one thing I think uh, the owner, Jim Ursay and I, Coach Frank Reich, um, I and Coach Frank Reich, we're all pretty good at, like, when we see something's not a good fit, 
Don't just try to justify it. Let's move forward. We all knew we were going to get egg on our face. Ballot continued. That is what it is. But at the end of the day, it's about doing the right thing for the organization. So I think even if we would have ended up in the playoffs, we would have had some hard discussions going forward. He was asked about this, right? So he answered. But, Shawnee, this whole Carson Wentz conversation, I think over the course of – look, there has not been a single snap played since he lost – since the Colts lost in Jacksonville. But I think the narrative on Carson Wentz I feel like is starting to change a little bit because I think as time has gone on, the Colts have made it pretty clear that I think that there was some deep-seated anger on the Colts' side. Uh, Look, I'm just going to put it this way. If you break up with your girlfriend or you break up with your significant other and – one of you peacefully walks off and goes their different direction, mm-hmm. and you constantly are mouthing off about them, like mouthing off endlessly. A week goes by, two weeks go by, a month goes by, six months goes by, and you can't stop trashing your ex. What does that start looking like, Shawnee? A good guy versus a bad guy. It starts looking like, okay, maybe you seem really hung up on this. Maybe, maybe you have, you're the bad guy. Maybe you have some issues exactly. that you got to figure out, right? Somebody seems to be taking the high road. No. Carson Wentz has, in interviews, been asked about it. He was asked about this in his opening press conference when he uh, when he came to Washington after the trade, and he's done nothing but take the high road. Nothing. I mean, he has been like he hasn't played a down. At the end of the day, it's about his success on the field that's going to matter. But he has been nothing but an incredible citizen, just taking the high road the entire time. But my question to you, um, and I'll answer it too, is: Do you think that the Colts' attitude towards Carson Wentz that they've clearly publicly gone out of the way to continue saying uh, do you think that changes a little bit of how people should view Carson Wentz in Washington this year I remember a couple podcasts ago you actually started questioning whether or not he's a good teammate in the locker room mm-hmm. I'm assuming yeah. that's changed yes for you yeah, yeah. I, I mean I remember specifically you said now you got to start wondering if this guy has some off the field issues or if he's a bad teammate poor right. sport whatever it may be but it, it all comes down to that Jacksonville game I mean, you put together after a week start to the season, an incredible run, put yourself in prime position to control your own destiny, to get into the playoffs. And all of a sudden you go down to Jacksonville where you have not won since 2014 with a chance to beat the worst team in the NFL or the second worst team. I don't know if they're worse than the Lions. Mm. And you lose, and it wasn't just a loss, Connor. It was an embarrassing loss. They couldn't get their offense going. Jonathan Taylor couldn't do anything. Carson Wentz looked awful. I don't yeah. even know if they scored a touchdown. I don't know. It they may were, have been like a 15 it to was 6 so bad. loss or something. Yeah, it was, it was so bad. It was really embarrassing. They're sour about that. They made up their mind what they're going to do with Carson Wentz. And the Colts are turning into this team that is going from veteran quarterback to veteran quarterback to veteran quarterback. Now yeah. they have Matt Ryan. At some point, they're going to have to draft someone. And who's going to want to go to a team where their owner publicly trashes the quarterback when they don't go into, yeah, the, into the playoffs? It's an it's an awful look, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you it's it's an awful look. And, mm-hmm. and the reality is, is that you never want to be in a situation where you feel like your bosses or you're working for somebody. I mean, this, this applies to any industry where they're going to air laundry, right? Or, or they're going to they're going to take publicly. If you guys have an argument, if you guys have a, a frustrating situation, it's going to end up out there and people are going to start talking. Now, um, 
it's been very, I mean, very clearly Jim Irsay, if you go all the way back to Carson Wentz not getting vaccinated, Jim Irsay came out and slammed Carson Wentz about that. I think, I think there's been a deep-seated anger there since that issue mm-hmm. arose. And obviously when you, you know, have playoff, even Super Bowl aspirations, and, and you lose to Jacksonville, you know, and win and get in, um, that's just, you know, it, it, it's a bad way of, I mean, it's just a terrible way of ending the year. But it's funny to me how ever since that has happened, Carson Wentz has done nothing but take responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. And the Colts have done nothing but blame him for it. And it starts to make you wonder, like, what's going on here? Um, Jonathan Taylor said he loved Carson Wentz in the locker room on the field. Linebacker Darius Leonard referred to Wentz as a true warrior. I mean, when he left the Colts, there was a ridiculous outpouring of people who said, and I remember saying this to you. I remember saying, I'm, I, I question him as a teammate. Like, mm-hmm. is this, there is some serious worry here. I mean, he they just made a huge trade for him, and after one year, they're ditching him. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the outpour of, dude, I love this guy. This guy's a great teammate. Whether he you know didn't play well or not, it's irrelevant. He's an incredible teammate. Um, it makes you think. Is there something more to this? Is there something more that we're not understanding here? What what, what portion of the blame pie goes to the Colts again? Right, you just wonder that. Um, and the Colts have always been a milquetoast franchise, right? They've always been a, a franchise that just can't seem to really find consistent winning. Uh, they, I mean, how could you have possibly gotten out of the you know Andrew Luck situation? I think they got totally screwed there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think from from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, they were hoping that that would be a nice little bridge. And since Andrew Luck left, it's just kind of been band aid after band aid after band aid. They've right? been almost there so many seasons. Yeah, like, o- almost good enough for the playoffs. Yeah, and I'm 100%. afraid that's what it's going to be this year as well. Yeah, you wonder. You just wonder how much yeah. Matt Ryan has left in the tank. Mm-hmm. But I think my opinion on Carson Wentz has changed. Honestly, I think it has. I think my my opinion on him has changed. And look, at the end of the day, it's not going to matter if this guy comes out and throws three interceptions <laughs> and a touchdown per game. Right? It's just it's not going to matter. Um, but I think we need to stop talking about Carson Wentz like last year was a disaster for him because it was not. It was not a disaster. Mm-hmm. Statistically, he had a good year, right? There were splotched some some really bad games on the uh, on the stretch and no more than the final game of the season. But you know, here's a I, I think he's a guy who who genuinely has this is this is not. Carson Wentz's last year in Philadelphia, right? His last year in Philadelphia was, oh, my God, can this guy even play anymore? Like, this is RG3 in Washington in 2014. Like, oh, my God, this guy can't physically do it anymore. He can. Mm-hmm. He can still sling it around. Um, so the question is, what what is this going to look like? I think Carson Wentz is entering into the, obviously, I think hands down the most important year of his entire career. I think if this goes south, I don't think he gets another chance. Uh, I mean, maybe he does, but it's not giving it to him, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think this is his last chance to cement himself as a franchise quarterback. Um, but I thought that was interesting because I think it brought to mind questions of the Colts, right? Brought to mind the questions of there just seems like a lot of sour grapes there, right? And you wonder where the blame blame pie goes. Um, and to be honest with you, I've been so impressed with how Carson Wentz has just been able to handle himself mm-hmm. throughout the whole process. So, um, we'll see. Look, he hasn't played a, a down, but um, I believe he spoke. I think it was with Colin Coward's podcast. Um, and, you know, I, he has constantly said, like, I, I really am surprised and shocked how the Colts are still going at me. Right. It kind of along those lines. I'm not I'm not word for word. But, um, you know, he's taken responsibility. He said, hey, he owns the team. He can say what he wants. It's mm-hmm. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. But it definitely seems like he's just like, wow, they're still berating me. So um, I thought that was interesting. And I'm, I'm curious as to what Commander fans think. 
And if you have an opinion on that, if you think I'm wrong, if you think I'm putting on the rose-colored glasses, which I do every year, willingly. I willingly put them on. I willingly want to believe that everything's going to work out for uh, Washington, and it just never usually does. I'm happy to admit that. Tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm right, honestly, if you think that's the case. So you can email in the mailbag at ConnorForest.com. You got anything else, Johnny? That's uh, that's all I got. That's all I got for you? That's all I got. Um, So the last thing I wanted to touch up on here. Uh, was Trey Lance because I know you've been seeing this too, haven't you? I have, yeah. Everywhere I look, it seems as if, and, and this is not one or two blogs, this is not one blue check mark. It seems like there's just been a wave of reports of really wondering is Trey Lance like catching on here? Is this a Jordan Love situation? We didn't see him last year much at all. Um, and, by the way, Jimmy Garoppolo is still a 49er. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, he's still a 49er, which makes you wonder, like, what's going on? What are they waiting for? Right? What's happening here? Um, so, I pulled up this article here. This is from SB Nation's uh, Niner Nation um, site. It's their 49er site. Um, sometimes it's hard to keep track of how things work with the 49ers. The selection of Trey Lance when the world expected Mac Jones was supposed to be the biggest example of the 49ers don't leak um, that we've seen in the Shanahan era. So why then, if the team doesn't leak, do so many insiders and analysts supposedly have team sources criticizing Lance? Yet Joe Montana, he said Super Bowl week that players told him Trey wasn't ready to play. Matt Lombardo said that Trey continually uh, is is under has um, – Continually underwhelmed the coaching staff. Albert Breer was questioning whether Trey Lance can run Kyle Shanahan's playbook. Ryan Harris of CBS Sports. Um, he said that, he said, quote, from players I've talked to and coaches I've talked to who are with the 49ers, Trey Lance is really leaving a lot to be desired in terms of the fitness of his arm, whether or not he can digest the playbook, and really start to process the game at a high level. Um and it goes on. Like, it goes on. I just named you a couple. Like, it really, really mm-hmm. goes on. There's a huge list. Um, so, my question is, Shani, is like, do you think there's any fire to the smoke of this Trey Lance situation? I, I, I do think that there's something to be said for the fact that I, – I think there's something to be said for the fact that there's a lot of nervous energy around a guy like him because of – somebody like Jordan Love, right? Guys like Jordan Love, guys who are drafted who feel like, hey, this is going to be the replacement for Aaron Rodgers. Hey, Trey Lance is going to be the replacement for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo is supposed to replace Tom Brady and Jacoby Brissett was supposed to replace Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's like this weird, I have an heir apparent behind me, but is this going to work kind of thing? And you've seen teams take the swing and say, hey, we're going to pass up on this guy for our backup, and it just doesn't end up working out. And I think there's a nervous energy about that. Do you think there's any fire to this at all? I think so, and it's not necessarily because of the reporting. It's because Jimmy Garoppolo is still in San Francisco. If you told us this time last year that Garoppolo was still going to be in San Francisco, when we knew going into last season he was likely done there because they were moving on, they wanted a franchise quarterback – we would have been in shock that yeah. he was still there. Yep. Um, I, I Now, I will say I do think part of Garoppolo staying in San Francisco has to do with Tom Brady coming back because yep. I thought there was a chance he went to the Bucs to replace Brady. Yep. Kenny Pickett gets drafted by the Steelers. Yep. 
which was another destination. Yeah. Um, there were a few other. Malik Willis went to Tennessee, Malik which you Willis felt went like. To Tennessee, I know. Right. Th- I know for a fact that Ryan Tannehill was he wasn't leaving Tennessee because of his monster contract. But next year, you know, he's out. He is. So, oh yeah. Right? You yeah. felt like you know, if it's a money thing, maybe they can make something mm-hmm. work there. And and you know the the thing is Jimmy Garoppolo criticize him all he wants. He should have lost that NFC a game up or NFC divisional round game up there in Green Bay. He had some horrid throws on yeah. curl routes and out routes that just went straight to the defenders. They couldn't finish. Horrid throws. Not the best quarterback in the league. Doesn't have the best decision making, but somehow he just he gets it done. You yeah. know, he he just fought. when when he was with New England and Tom Brady had that BS suspension perpetrated by the conspiracy theorist <laughs> at the NFL, which I'm still sour about. Uh, Tell me more. <laughs> um, Garoppolo went three and one as a starter. Mm, yeah, including a Sunday night opener in Arizona, which yeah. was an incredibly tough team at the time to beat yeah. on an, a very uh, tough stage to beat them. He had that. He goes to the Super Bowl with his team. Now, obviously, the defense played a big part of that Super Bowl run back in 2019. Yep. And then he goes to the NFC Championship, and had it not been for a dropped near interception, they would have probably been in the Super Bowl and maybe won the Super Bowl, depending on how the Bengals played. Yeah. I mean, I, it's just it, he, he kind of just gets it done with his teammates. I agree. I've always said, though, I hate I hate the argument of he kind of just wins, though, because I just I feel like there's so much more in football in terms of – in terms of just like there, there's so much more to football than just that one guy. Like it's not basketball where he hits three threes, or it's not hockey mm-hmm. where you shoot a puck and you get puck luck. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, in terms of his statistics, was, was not very good in the playoffs at all. Um, but I mean, I think I think it's I think that run speaks more to the to the Forty Niners. Like Debo Samuel was. Oh was yeah, Swiss George Army Kittle. Yeah, George yeah. Kittle. I mean, just Bosa, their defense yeah. was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it spoke more to that than necessarily Jimmy Garoppolo. But he's a um, game manager. At the end of the listen, day, he's in charge yeah. of the offense. And if it works, it works, mm-hmm. right? But I do think that this speaks more – I think I think it speaks less to Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I do think that there is a little bit of fire to the smoke, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. Because if it was just a bunch of disgruntled old coaches – because sometimes this happens, right? What will happen in sports is – you know, a new coaching staff will come in and a bunch of ex-staffers will leave and they'll start the disgruntled ex-staffers will start contacting these reporters and saying, hey, let me tell you about this guy. Let me tell you about this coach. Let me tell you about some some of the things going on there. So and people get caught up in that. But there's context to those. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's that here because the evidence is showing on the outside that there is a little bit of fire to this like again Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been moved and there was just endless talk when they when they moved up to draft this guy who by the way played one full year of college football mm-hmm. um at that, North Dakota right I, it was South North Dakota, Dakota State or South Dakota was it North Dakota State uh where, North Dakota uh where was it he oh you know what Maybe North Dakota it was State South. was it North Dakota yes. I said South Dakota State <laughs> you said North Dakota and actually was neither it's North Dakota State so it's both of what we said basically moved together okay take the state from my answer in North Dakota and then you got a college <laughs> there you go. um but like they took him what third overall they took him? fourth was it fourth and a lot of people thought they were yeah. gonna get Mac Jones and uh, he fell he, to they 15. took him third because Kyle Pitts went fourth to Atlanta you're right okay yep. third. so it was third um but that was again the the constant talk of his intangibles. This guy's an athlete. He's six foot four. He's got a cannon arm. He showed a lot of, you know, a lot of promise. A lot of intangibles that we want in a quarterback. Guy played one year of college football, mm-hmm. so it makes you wonder. You know, I don't know. 
I don't honestly I don't know, Sean. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't I don't have the beat on the 49ers like I'm not there every day. I mean, if we had a 49ers guest on to tell us, mm-hmm. and maybe I can work on that and try to get some answers if I can. Um, but I do think there's a little bit of fire to this, and I think that that the question. I think the answer lies in what they end up doing with Jimmy Garoppolo. Cause if they walk into the season and that guy's our quarterback, that is a, that is a damning condemnation on the fact that, Hey, the dude you took third overall after oh, he'll request sitting, a trade. I mean, he'll try to get out. I mean, right. You uh, would think a rookie. No, no, you don't think Trey Lance will try to get out. No, no, he probably wants he, to. He, I mean, he if can. you get drafted third overall and all of a sudden you're being told you're the next guy and then you're not, You'd be pretty upset. Well, you can be upset, but if you're not the next guy because you're not playing well, then I think there's. there's I, I still think teams there. would take him. Yeah. Do you think Mitch Trubisky was really bitter about leaving Chicago? No. He knew he wasn't playing great, and he mm-hmm. knew that wasn't a great situation. He knew Matt Nagy was out the door. He knew that he was constant public enemy number one. So he said, let me just eat out of here <laughs> and let's go to Buffalo and let's hang tight behind mm-hmm. Josh Allen. And guess what? New contract. So, um, I don't know. I think there might be a little bit of uh, fire to that, but it's something interesting. Um, I think to keep tabs on. I, I'm gonna try to see if I can work to get a 49ers. Try to get a 49ers, guy 49ers expert on. I'd like to get a 49ers guy on to talk about that because I want to. That's a, a fascinating because again, I didn't buy in to all the draft nerds that were over telling me about how great Trey Lance was when I just felt like maybe he will. Look, I could be wrong. You, you, you can clip this up. Uh, in two years, and Trey Lance can be the next Josh Allen, and I'd look like an idiot. Uh, I never bought into a dude after playing one year of college where I have to see it to believe it. I haven't had the chance to see it. And from every every measurement that we've gotten so far and everything that I'm getting out of the 49ers camp, I don't know if we are going to see it anytime mm-hmm. soon. Yeah. Um, you know, it, do you have some dad? Not to add, but another question, similar along the one year in college, about Malik Willis. Mm. Do you think him playing at Liberty – is different than somebody playing at Alabama where you're playing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you would yes. think, right? Yeah, 100%. Now, it doesn't mean that they Just can't. the people you're going against yeah. and the receivers dude, you have. Dude, does it mean that you, you – like, does it mean that I – mean, Carson Wentz went to North Dakota State, and, I mean, he was an MVP candidate before he got hurt, right? Right. Um, does it mean that you can't – I mean, J- Josh Allen. Where did Josh Allen go again? Wyoming. Wyoming. Bingo. Um, it, it doesn't – it doesn't necessarily matter. I, I do think that when you play in the SEC, I think there's a couple things. You play in the SEC, you play at Alabama, you're playing on a huge stage, right? You're mm-hmm. a young kid, you're dealing with pressure, you're dealing with media, you're dealing with playing games in Tuscaloosa in front of, you know, 75, 80,000 people, and um, you're dealing with that stuff, and I think that stuff translates. Um, the other thing is, yeah, I mean, just the simple talent. You're playing against first round picks endlessly mm-hmm. like you know you're playing lsu and lsu are having first round picks everywhere and playing georgia and whereas the liberty you're playing old dominion you're playing right. you know just now again we talk about those guys like that's where you know, this is where i don't want to go just constantly back and forth between intangibles don't matter and intangibles are are you know everything um but there are intangibles that they look for right and i i say that word what, what does that mean when you're looking at a quarterback are you know it's not just hey can this guy throw 350 yards and four touchdowns in a game like no it's not not just that it's does this guy have a good process does this is this guy a smart guy can this guy read defense as well mm-hmm. um you know i was always told and, and ian told me uh, ian cummings had always told me you know a lot of times when people watch film when people are quote unquote watching film for draft times they're watching youtube clips and most of them don't even know what they're looking for but if you're a scout and you're looking for intangibles for quarterbacks or other position players there's things that you're looking for 
that don't show up on stat sheets, right? Like sometimes some of your best interior defensive linemen, um, their best highlights are on plays where like the defense gave up a big play, but he just did his job really well. Mm-hmm. So I think that that kind of lends itself to this conversation of when you're looking at a guy like Trey Lance, um, are you looking for stats? Are you looking for strength of uh, you know strength of opposition, or are you looking for hey, can we teach this guy? Is he smart enough to learn? Does he use his eyes well? Does he have good footwork, good hip movement? Does he have a good arm? Is he genuinely accurate? Um, you know, how does he work in certain systems? How was the playbook? There's just so many different things, so many different questions that come to the surface. And um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a professional scout, so I, I mm-hmm. couldn't tell you. Um, but I'm people who do it for a living, who are professionals, have told me that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my best guess is that with guys like Trey Lance, it is those intangibles. But how do those translate? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, there's a risk you take with that. It's much, much easier for you to say, I'm going to take a guy who's proven, who's done this, right? The Chase Youngs of the world. I'm going to take a guy like that versus a Mac Jones, yeah. Bingo. Or Mac Jones or, uh, you know, Trayvon Even Walker. Tua. Right. Look at Trayvon Walker versus, uh, you know, Chase Young. Now, it was a much stronger class, and Chase Young was one of the most elite pass rushing prospects mm-hmm. in recent years. Chase Young was a statistical and film just star. And, Trayvon Walker wasn't really either of those. Trayvon Walker goes first overall this year. Chase Young went second, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it depends on the on the strength of the draft. But there are intangibles with both of them where Trayvon Walker might have a similar, if not better, season than Chase Young coming mm-hmm. up. Um, but how do we measure that? So interesting to know. And I know it was kind of a long-winded, maybe it got a little off topic, but – I do think that that's a really interesting point with with Trey Lance that I think there's some fire to that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think this offseason has played out to back that up a little bit. So we'll see. We'll see what San Francisco said. Did you want to add anything else? I think that's it, man. We got some hockey to watch. We got some hockey to watch. I got some Buffalo Wild Wings to kill. I haven't eaten in a while, so I'm I'm about to mow down. Um, (laughs) But, uh, Shawnee, great episode as always. Thanks for coming out. Um, Next week we will be back. We'll just catch up on the craziness around the NFL, right? I mean, there's always enough stuff to talk about, so we'll get into that next week. Uh, we'll do a mailbag episode soon. Um, we'll get another mailbag episode going. So maybe this week I'll gather up some mailbag questions. Again, mailbag.connorforth.com is the email. Um, and uh, please reach out. Any questions, comments, uh, anything like that, reach on out. We'll get you involved. We'll give you a shout-out, by the way. If you have a podcast, if you have um something you want us to shout out we'll do it just let us know um send us in your questions send us in your location a couple people didn't send in locations i like i like knowing where our listeners are from um and that it's not just me air checking and listening to myself and us having no listeners um but you guys are the best instagram followers we are well over a thousand now so thank you for everybody uh, following us on instagram conifors underscore on twitter um anything else anyone else on facebook like us anything else yeah. any other any modes any other, of i don't know craziness yeah, i don't think I don't so know. <laughs> well that's about it that was about as weak of a show ending as we could possibly have had um but for connor forth shawnee thanks for joining us thank you connor and i will see you next week right you will done i will see you next week shawnee and as always our fine listeners we will catch you guys on the other side mm-hmm.